Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. world outside your window probably still not great especially because here on everything is super we're in the end game now it's avengers end game here the end of the line of the infinity saga certainly not the end of the line for everything is super or even our coverage of avengers end game uh and in fact things probably are pretty super for you because you've been waiting for us to get here and look on your left it's me josh wigley with kevin mahadeo Kevin, Avengers Endgame, can you believe that we've gone all the way through the Infinity Saga? This is crazy. It is wild. When we started this endeavor, I remember us being like, okay, we're going to commit to phase one. We're, we want to get yeah. to Avengers. That's our goal. And here we yeah. are, still still under pandemic orders, still trapped on the inside, and we've made it all the way through to Endgame, which yeah. is so Crazy that we did it, but also so good that we got here it's because so this good. <laughs> movie, this movie, like, oh my God, I, you know, I ranted and raved about so many films in the, in the MCU rewatch so far, but this one, you know, I, I remember talking about how big this film was, how important it was, how it is a comic book event come to life. And it still feels that way. It still gets me in the right moments. I, I still get jazz when, when Avengers assemble is uttered, when on your left happens, when Thor comes, like when Thor is just like, let's kill him good and proper this time. Like that's such an awesome line. Yeah. It's just, ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's top shelf. This is top of the line. Uh, there's like a world where this could be a very short podcast because like everything is awesome. Everything literally is super in this movie. Um, you know, we can we can spoil some of this stuff already. Like uh, Avengers Endgame. It's number one in the Infinity Stone movie <laughs> rankings. It's really not close. It's it's uh, 
<laughs> it's really not close. It's a 5.97 out of 6 is the full score after my 6, Kevin's 6, uh, and a 5.92 from the from the listeners. Uh, so, yeah, that's it. That's in the front. That's a tie that is broken. <laughs> Hardly surprising on this. Hardly surprising. Uh, uh, we'll talk about the Thanos piece at, at yeah. a certain point. Uh, we will. And we'll talk about the post-credits thing at a certain point as well. Uh, should come as no surprise that this is going to be number one on the final battle rankings. Not even close. Pretty easily. It's it's that final. Like, and we could even consider where we want to start it from, and it's still number one. Because it's not not worth having a debate about. It is worth, like, you know, standing and appreciating and applauding and crying, uh, all of that stuff. So there's, like, the versions of this podcast where it's like, those are the headlines. This This is the one. This is number one on the list. Are there some, like, problematic pieces of the movie? Sure, but they are completely offset by everything that is so awesome in this movie. Uh, at least, like, the balance is very heavily skewed in favor of, like, the ridiculous amount of ridiculous things that they successfully achieved. Um, so it could be a short podcast in that realm. It could also be a podcast where you, dear listener, would have to speak uh, and understand uh, screams. Because Kevin and I could literally just be going, Ah! Ah! <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, for like an hour and a half. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where this movie is so deep. There's so much going on that if we did it uh, at like the granular level, we could be here for seven hours. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like Endgame is this movie that is like it is so moldable. It is exactly what you make of it. It is it is uh, I think it is like the definition of an achievement. This movie, you know, this is it is it is monumental. Um, it is not the first time Kevin and I have talked uh, exclusively about Avengers Endgame on a podcast. In fact, Kevin, I believe what brought you back into the post-show recaps universe after uh, a bit of a hiatus was Avengers Endgame. And you and I got together and did that podcast. Uh, and that launched us into like a monthly Marvel podcast that was sort of like a, a precursor to everything is super. Um, so we've already, you know, uh, waxed poetic about this movie, like the immediate afterglow of it. Uh, I don't think that any of like the excitement that we felt then has been tempered at all uh, from from watching it again now. And I'll also say that this isn't going to be the last Avengers Endgame conversation that we have. We're going to be lingering on Avengers Endgame for the next few weeks here. Um, This is the recap podcast. This is like the main podcast. We'll start here. We'll get through feedback here. Next week, Kevin is going to take a, a seat on the bench. He sacrificed himself for the Soul Stone. So he is going to be uh, <laughs> at the bottom of Boromir, uh, while Mike Bloom, myself, and the legendary Chappelle, the prolific Chappelle, uh, will be podcasting uh, Survivor Endgame. We will do Avengers Endgame in Brant Steel mode. We'll use that as an opportunity to wax poetic about all the different characters that are featured in Avengers Endgame and across the Infinity Saga. Which I will have to say, if I'm going to jump off the Vormir edge to sacrifice myself to, for someone, Chappelle is a great person to do that with. <laughs> yeah, for. I agree. Uh, so I am, I am all okay with this. I am yeah. fine taking that dive yeah, <laughs> for take, Chappelle to live. Take the jump. Take the jump. Uh, and then Kevin and I will be back the week after that with one final look back at the Infinity Saga. We'll use it as an opportunity to look back on everything that happened in all of the movies leading up to Avengers Endgame. Obviously, still, there's Spider-Man Far From Home to to, to look forward to. But I think that that is... Uh, it, doesn't, it, it sort of feels like an in-between sagas movie. So I think in our conversation about the Infinity Saga, we want to talk about, uh, you know, 
just through Avengers Endgame up, up to that point. And I'm sure we'll use it as a, a place to forecast not only what's next for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but also what's going to be next here on Everything is Super. Because I just want to make sure that that is really up front. That just because we are uh, caught up basically with the Marvel Cinematic Universe as it currently stands here on the podcast, Everything is Super is not going anywhere. Kevin and I, we committed to Phase 1, and I think that we've just had so much fun that there's just no world where we're stopping here. I, I think uh, for me, I view this as a podcast that I would love to be doing for years with you, Kevin. Uh, so hopefully you feel the same way. I'm not putting words in your mouth, but like we're going to we're going to be here talking about not only like super heroic stuff, but like eventually we will get to that fast and furious rewatch and it'll happen here on Everything is Super. I don't know if I could deal with you that long. That's a lot of time. <laughs> years? Years? Yeah, of course, yeah. of course. I, I, yeah. I, well, we'll time travel. Is, we'll do some time traveling. Uh, I would love to do some time traveling. You know that. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. this podcast is great, and it's been so much fun talking to you about this stuff. I mean, you know, this is this is like continuing things that we've done since we you know first really got to know each other a decade ago <laughs> when the yeah. movies first started coming out. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's great to be here. It's it's a it's 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 a bright light uh, in an otherwise dark time period. As, as, Don't look as, as out the said. window. Yeah, Just never look, look out the here. window. <laughs> um, yeah, Stay with I'm, us. I'm really excited about continuing it. And I do think, you know, we, we talked about this offline. It does make sense to like kind of wrap the MCU Infinity Saga here as much as the higher ups in Marvel is just like, well, no, Spider-Man Far From Home is is the end. I'm like, is it? Like, it's a bridge. It's that. a bridge. It's a bridge it's movie, a bridge. which yeah. is fine. And I, we, you know, we love that movie. We've podcasted about that before as well. So I do think it makes sense to like, let's stop down for a moment. Let's really dive in and look at this cinematic achievement that, I, you know, Josh, we talked about this. I saw this movie twice in theaters. And when we recorded the first time, it was coming off that high. Watching it again, I still feel that high coming off of it. Like, I just... It's been well over a year. We're approaching two years since this movie came out. And it still hits so many emotional moments. It's still one of the best theater experiences I have. If I ever felt a moment where I'm like, oh, man, I miss theaters. It, it's reminiscing about Endgame. Uh, beyond that, not really. But, you know, th- th- there is obviously a lot about theaters. Though, but sure. that specifically, those moments um, are so great and so like the the community experience for that was so awesome. Um, yeah, and I'm excited to talk about when we get to the final battle because I have a fun little uh, Easter egg to share. Oh uh, yeah, later in regards to that, I think I know the vague shape of that. I look yes. forward to to having that crystallize. Uh, but no, I do think like the community aspect of this movie, the theatrical experience of this movie, uh, was unlike basically anything I had ever experienced before. Uh, the pop for Cap having Mjolnir, uh, like just like the Avengers Assemble moment. There's just an insane amount of moments that just watching this in the theater. I think I saw it three times in the theater. I'm pretty sure. Uh, and uh, it's just incredible. I, I watched this for um, for the podcast, Kevin, in the Posha Recaps patron discord uh, with other members of the Posha Recaps uh, patron uh, discord. Um, so that's that's something that I'm doing. Uh, we don't know if we're going to do this every single week, um, but like uh, we were calling it Wiggler Wednesdays. Uh, where where I watch something with with the group and and we talk about it, we have a good time. And it was really really fun, and it was the closest that I've had to like kind of capturing 
what it feels like to watch a movie with a big group of people in a really long time. If that sounds like something that interests anybody who hasn't taken the plunge for the for the Patreon yet, that is like something that we're doing. Uh, and that's at the $10 tier. And it was it was super, super, super fun. But there was just all these moments where like we were having like lots of chatter during a lot of like the fun stuff and the propulsive stuff, like the time heist and everything leading up to the time heist. Um, and then like on your left happens and Chadwick Boseman is the first person you see, which obviously hit very differently this time. And just like, sort of like seeing all of the different ways in which the emotionality like is laced into the big picture, like the, the big budget blockbuster level type stuff in this. Um, and it's so popular to be like superhero movies are just for kids and comic books are just for kids and you're a loser. And like, this is you know not for adults and there's nothing to get out of that stuff. It's like, all right, fine. Grumpy McGrumper pants. Uh, if that's what you want to do, if that's how you want to play it. Um, but the, but the, 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 the life that this film gives me watching it again, this time uh, really gave me in this time in light of like, Everything that we are going through, have gone through, like the post-apocalyptic aspects of Avengers Endgame feel different watching it now in the COVID world. Um, you know, seeing Black Panther come back like felt so different and just like felt like, I don't know, I, I don't even know how to describe that yet. Um, there was just a lot of emotion packed into this and it made me feel very human. Um, and for a movie of this scale, of this scope to make you feel that way and not just get lost in the luster of it because that's so easy to do and forgivable too because the luster kevin my god it's lustrous um but it is so deep it is just a deep movie the nooks the crannies you want to explore them all uh it is just a rich rich movie that we could honestly have done like a 12-part series on adventures endgame very easily it's yeah i mean you know ditto to everything you said and also to me you know watching this again now too the acting was supreme and specifically you know we've seen a lot of amazing acting throughout the the mcu but i did want to call out you know on this rewatch especially at the beginning i think the two people that made me shine i think it's specifically because we're so used to be them being now kind of comedic um chris hemsworth at the beginning of this movie is incredible because you really, when you see Thor at his lowest, well, what we feel like could be his lowest, um, at the start, he conveys that depression and sadness so well. Like, when he chops off Thanos' head, you can see it's not a victorious moment. You can see the devastation. And the delivery for him is so good. And the other one to call out is Paul Rudd. When he comes back and he's there running to like look for Cassie's name and running back to see like especially coming off of Ant-Man the Wasp I mean we we kind of mentioned like the the Cassie stuff is gonna hit harder and it did it very much did like there's such powerful moments from these two actors that yeah. were so used to being like oh they're funny guys now and just like oh no no they're they they're good they can bring that emotion I mean everyone in this movie I think was really crushing it obviously we've talked about how Doctor Strange in this movie is so much better than the ones we've seen that moment when you know Tony looks over and he just like looks at him and he holds up the one finger is such a powerful moment. Like it's so well done. Um, Tilda Swinton, who's barely in this, I think is like I I seeing her in this movie as the ancient one. Maybe be like, give me a full ancient one movie. Like she's great. I love her delivery. I love everything she does. Everyone in this movie is really shining, and it's it's great. Um, and there's 
like you said, all those emotional highs and lows that I don't know who you could possibly also be talking about to make a comment about Marvel movies not having proper emotion and not being real cinema. I don't know who would have made such a comment in the Hollywood sphere. But anyway, um, it is... Look. I, yeah, we're, we'll, we'll get into it. But it, you sure. know, there's so much emotion in this movie. Um, and you really feel it throughout. The highs and lows and everything. Um, and it's so well executed. It's It's a phenomenal film that we could dissect so many ways... Um, to delve into and to pull apart from the characters, from the themes. It's just, it's it's so well done. Um, and is it perfect? No, but what it is, is perfection, if that makes sense. <laughs> what it is, is perfection, but it's not perfect. Um, I don't know if it makes sense, but <laughs> I also don't know if the time travel makes sense, and it's still awesome. Uh, <laughs> it, it, technically, it technically doesn't, but what I what I like, like I'm obviously a super stickler for for time travel, but they sort of established that these are people kind of spouting that they don't know necessarily how this works. This is all theory to them, right? And they're only putting into practice now. So it's like a scientific experiment. They theorize, they put into practice, and now they're going to see whether or not their theory holds true. Um, which it doesn't because we have a Loki series and we're going to have a multiverse of madness. So it feels like they've definitely mucked up stuff that we're going to have consequences about, but that's what happens when you mess with time. Right, right. Well, that's one of the things that I love about this movie and I think was such a difficult needle, uh, you know, eye of the needle to thread, um, that this is a movie that both has to... This is a movie that that implied in its title and necessitated by its content has to feel like an ending to a certain degree because Robert Downey Jr. is leaving. Um, Scarlett Johansson is kind of leaving. Uh, you know, certain things are ending here. Chris Evans is at least kind of leaving, if not outright leaving. You know, Captain America is gone. Iron Man is gone by the end of this thing. Um, Black Widow is gone. So this has to feel like an ending. But we're also not stupid and we also know that Marvel is making a crazy amount of money on this stuff and that they're going to keep doing it. And so the universe continues and the stories continue um, and the world is going to expand well beyond this film. Um, but it also has to simultaneously feel like an ending. And I, I think that the time travel and, 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 and having that be something that isn't really trotted out until, I guess, kind of Doctor Strange and then much more and a little bit in Ant-Man and the Wasp and much more pointedly here in Endgame, that um, it, is, it is such an obvious setting of the stage for whatever we're going to get into next that like this movie will have impact on future movies like this is going to be like sort of like a new origin point a new inflection point for things that are coming next um and for that to exist in the same space uh as uh the big fond farewell to the giants that made this achievement possible in the first place um is really really spectacular that they are able to come up with a movie that feels like the end of an era and also the beginning of one because I think that that's what this is. I think when we, you know, are 10 years from now, Kevin, talking about like, you know, uh, uh, Avengers, uh, Galactal, you know, poop. I don't know. Uh, like when we're talking about like whatever, like the the next end game is. Galactic we're going to look poop, back. Clearly. <laughs> when we're at Galactic Poop and we're going to look back on, on end game, like we're going to look at end game as it wasn't just an ending. It was the start of something if they do things right. So uh, I think like the way that that 
this movie closed things out but also burst doors open is a real testament to what is special about this particular series of blockbusters that like when you broad brush the concept of the modern blockbuster is completely lacking in artistic value um i think it is really unfair to the level of thought and care and yeah like business that's going on uh in the marvel studios system but i think uh in service and in concert with the creative um and i think that this is this is one of those blockbuster series uh there's just nothing like it um there's just nothing like an endgame is such a such a totem for that stuff for me yeah, and you know, looking toward the future thing that you're talking about too, you know, not for nothing, I was after watching this and getting that feeling again of this from this movie. I'm I mean, the circumstances are 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 shit. We'll just say that about why this happened, but honestly, the 2-year break, the almost 2-year break of movies, I think is good I because agree. like coming off of this, going into like a Black Widow movie as well. Spider-Man was hard enough. Black Widow Mm, like this is such well, an we're gonna really want this stuff <laughs> right and i think yeah. you're gonna you know it's it's enough of a gap that that it really breaks from the point of like the the cinematic achievement and the and the universal the marvel cinematic universal achievement that is endgame and give us enough of a break to set up the new thing as as a port, as opposed to just kind of going into it and then leaving us also com- like forever comparing it to like what endgame achieved and forever having to live up to it so going to but i think this helps having this break in this way it gets us excited and it kind of gives us enough distance between something so crazy good that it it can sort of alleviate the almost what's the word i'm looking for pressure i guess of of hitting that again yeah the why behind it is brutal uh and like give me the choice between we had Avengers Endgame one year and then Black Widow the next, or we had Avengers Endgame one year and then at least two years later, Black Widow, because the world started melting. Uh, I'll take the first one for sure. Every yes. day of the week, <laughs> yes. I'll make that pick. I'm not a lunatic, but this is the world we live in. And in the world that we live in, We've had a, a long break from this stuff. So I think it, it is going to make us appreciate it more. I, I think it uh, I think it, it has the potential to benefit from the space. Um, we'll we'll see what all that looks like. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm really excited about where this can all go. But I'm also just like the the ride that is this movie. And this was something that we were remarking on during the live watch of Endgame the other day was just like the amount of surprise baked into the film and the way in which it like bobs and weaves throughout its own like narrative fabric. Um, like there are just like a couple of moments that are just like so pleasing and so surprising. Um, like I think like because there are so many, there are, there are some that get under discussed. Like a good example of that is um, when they slam to the Avengers Endgame credits and they're off already on the mission to go kill Thanos. So like, okay, here we go. All right, we're cooking. And then the fact that they kill Thanos in the first 20 minutes of the movie, you're like, uh, what's this movie? What is this movie going to be? And then I think the one that is even more shocking than that comes immediately after. And I remember gasps in my theater when this happened was five 
years later was like oh you know they're just like (laughs) that was a freaking ride um and then like there are just like all of these micro moments that like we now just kind of accept as givens like we accept that thor is the big lebowski in this movie that's just like a cultural thing but the way that that popped the first time is just like such a surprise um we just accept that smart hulk was a thing but when he's there just like turning pancakes into like tortillas for burritos basically uh and dabbing with the kids like there's just like it's it's seeing that for the first time and and slamming from the cabin uh the tony stark cabin to that is just unlike anything there's just so many moments like that that the entire ride of this film is is delightful in terms of its uh art yeah but like the, there's just like so many things and just the, the architecture of this movie i think is is really splendid and and special um we had this feedback in from jared who wrote it and said endgame has perhaps the most cleanly delineated three-act structure i've ever seen in a movie they start making the plans for the heist at exactly the one hour mark Hulk snaps at exactly the two-hour mark. Each of the three acts, it's absolutely outstanding on their own, but altogether, I just don't feel like they mesh together as well as Infinity War is Jared's feeling there. Um, But that feeling of like the acts, I think, makes a lot of sense to me. I think Infinity War feels like a gigantic final battle. The whole thing like just feels like one act. Endgame does feel like this movie that is in components. Um, and I love that about this movie. Uh, it's one of the things that makes this movie being at like a three-ish hour runtime um, not feel that long. Uh, it goes at a clip because there's just like so much happening. It's almost like it's three issues of a comic book and each issue led into the other and there's little tie-in issues that maybe happen throughout. Like it is it is that. You, you are right. And I, this is what I mean where I say it's not perfect, right? Like it's not a perfectly fluid movie but what it was delivered was perfection for the audience and it the experience was perfection and i think it still holds up to that the, those little moments you're absolutely right like i mentioned the emails from the raccoon of course but like there's things that you can be nerdy about where it was mentioned like earthquakes on the ocean floor that everyone's theorizing could be you know uh namor that's 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 causing these things um there's these funny the lines Submariner. yeah yeah there's funny lines like i really just loved it every time i watch it and i still do like don Cheadle miming strangling baby thanos like slays me i don't know why but like he does it he does the like the rope and then just tightens his arm like it's just such a great like comedic bit from him um of course everything yeah. with the time highs the one thing i i will say uh is that i really wish that when um Tony was just like, you're telling me your entire thing is based on Back to the Future, and he says no. I really wish he said it's based on Back to the Future 2, because it is. It is more yeah. Back to the Future 2. It's yeah. like creating this timeline. We have to go back to fix something. It's way more Back to the Future 2. I really wish that was delivered, but I get I, I get why they didn't, because not every joke's written for me. Um, but yeah, there's just so many things in here that I think work so, so well um, and we talk about the Hulk and smart, smart Hulk is great, right? Like it's like the best Hulk. It's the Hulk that, that, that everyone kind of really loves because he's such a different version than we've ever gotten, um, through, throughout the entirety of the MCU and what we've seen from him. Uh, and the, the character beats are so great to me. Um, I may have mentioned this when we did our first, but looking at it again, I really think you look at the original Avengers, the six, and they really are, you know, I, I go to this well, but it is a writing well to go to. It is 
the grief stages. Each one is representing a stage of grief. The only one who is not is the Hulk. And I do think it's because the Hulk doesn't have anything to grieve as much as the others. Like he had a single movie that wasn't really connected. He never had his own side movie. He doesn't have his own branch of character. So he's sort of ending up as the smart Hulk, almost separate from what the others are going through. Totally makes sense to me. But if you look at it, like you have, um, you have Cap who's in denial. He's been in denial since he got frozen. He is a man out of time who hasn't moved forward from that. And that makes sense for where his ending is. He went back to the stage of it. Um, you have, of course, uh, a Hawkeye is absolutely anger. He's going around slashing and hashing people um, as Ronan. Um, you have Thor as depression, 100%. You have Natasha as bargaining. And for sure, it's bargaining. This idea of like, if we just keep going. And she even uh, uh, outright spells it out when she tells Clint, it's like I've been trying, you know, working my hardest to get to this moment. It is her making a deal, making a bargaining idea of being able to get through this by doing the right acts. And then, of course, you have Tony who hit acceptance. Tony has moved on at this point in his movie. He has a, had a kid. Um, and I think that's so great and so well done in this film. Um, in the same way that we talked about it when they did it in Lovecraft Country uh, for an entirely different thing. But I think it works. It's, it's such a when done well, this almost tropey thing of, of hitting the stage of grief can be very, very cleverly and powerfully done. And I think they did it really well here. Yeah, I I think that that's a, a great pull. And I, I think that they have very compelling stories to tell for all of the original core Avengers here. Um, you know, Iron Man finally, you know, it, it, interestingly, I think actually like the the Iron Man ending is not far away at all. And in fact, it's just like the final fatal version of what he does in the first Avengers movie, right? Like in the in the first Avengers movie, you know, there's the conversation between him and Captain America about uh, you would just cut through the wire. There's always a there's always a way out. Um, you would never do the sacrifice play. And he makes the sacrifice play in the first Avengers movie. And so he does it again here. And I think that that is something that you see often is like, uh, you know, I, I think as like a series as like a film turns into a series or as a book turns into a series of books. Um, often, I think that you'll you'll find a lot of the landing points are not far off from emotionally where they got to in the first thing because that's like if we can only shoot our shot once like this is what we're trying to say and they get there in just like this big macro way with iron man here and i think that they do it in this way that makes it feel very intimate yet seismic and uh intergalactic not just global like the the ramifications of what he's done and for that to come from the hero who starts this cinematic universe that like without iron man we just don't have we just don't have any of this none of this happens if not for robert downey jr and i think that that makes that final monologue of his all the more powerful it's not just that like we're losing this and that this is leaving us but like these are the words of somebody who's like kind of like and in his like signature robert downey jr way is like sort of like can you believe this can you believe that this world is filled with all of this stuff? This is crazy. Uh, like it's, it's just, it's very, very much on the pulse of, I think, how people who either grew up with these movies or in the case of you and I, you know, in our own way have grown up with these movies, right? Like this has marked our adulthood so far. Uh, so I think, uh, to, to have, all of that threaded through Tony as acceptance and his journey in this movie of recognizing that, like, um, you know, he's he's uh, 
finding peace with like his dad and finding peace with himself as a parent and the idea of parenthood and what it means to protect someone and all of the the things that he's discovering along the way. Um, I think it's really powerful to, to thread that all through him. So I think he's like the really obvious best arc of the core six of the movie. Um, but the, the Captain America ending gets me every single time. Um, I think the transformation from Thor being in like depressive Lebowski state to being like Viking God of Thunder again is really super powerful and awesome. Uh, the smart Hulk stuff is just fun and it's a great culmination of his whole story that like this tragedy of becoming the Hulk isn't a tragedy. There was a reason for it. It was so I could save the world. Uh, and like he now has like the uh, the Bruce Banner intelligence and empathy to recognize what he has gotten with his physical strength. Like those things are like married together in this way. Um, makes that very, very, very satisfying. Um, I guess this is the part where we got to talk about Black Widow and Hawkeye. Yeah. You know? We can, I mean, we can definitely, we, we should. We've done we should. this before. We've talked about this before. You could go back, you could listen to our original Avengers Endgame podcast, but obviously I think like there are still uh, some measure of like raw feelings about the way that this is written and like uh, Black Widow like sacrifices herself because Hawkeye, you got a family, you know, and there's like stuff like that that uh, maybe doesn't uh, sit so well. Uh, and I think all this time later, like, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, it could be Scarlett Johansson wants out. She wants to do the Black Widow movie, hand it off to Florence Pugh and peace out. And that's it. And so they're going to kill her off anyway. Um, but I, I do think that like there were probably ways that this could have been uh, done better. Like I do think that to me, this still feels like the weakest part of the movie. Yeah, I, I will say, you know, on the rewatch, I do think I have to throw it to the writers and, and the creators here that I do think they... They made it made sense. Like, I think, you know, I think it is a case where someone was like, well, we can't have two people with, you know, children murdered in this movie that we can't do that. And do you know that this is happening to Tony? So you're not going to be able to do it to Clint. Um, but beyond that, like, I think maybe that 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 was decided. The writers did a good job because on the rewatch again, I think if you look at what Black Widow's story is, this idea of bargaining, it makes sense that it had to be her. I do think my biggest issue in it is the lengths in which it goes through where they're just fighting each other. Um, but um, uh, my, my fiance Robin uh, did point out that it is interesting because it, it, it is sacrificing something you love, right? That's the idea. You have to sacrifice something you love in order for it to happen. If widow had just zapped him and jumped, technically he didn't make a sacrifice. Like she made the sacrifice, right? So having him holding her and have to drop, have to have her let go, have to have her fall is a sacrifice. It's, it is him, you know, whether fully, you know, doing it or not, like in that way, making the sacrifice. So it kind of makes sense that it has to have that moment. I just wish they cut out the middle parts a little bit more to shorten it. Cause it kind of went on for like those 30 seconds too long where it's just like, I zapped you and now you arrowed me and then I jump, but then you did. And it's just like, okay, we get it. We want to showcase them for a moment. That's my biggest issue now with it. I still, again, I, I do think like it's, it's nuts that so many people have died for a Hawkeye, but, but here we are. Um, so yeah, it, it's a, it's a weird part, right? We lost Quicksilver. We lost widow for this guy so he can hang out with his family. Um, and his weird haircut, uh, his grungy look, I'm emo now. Haircut. I'm punk now. Sorry. That's different. He's definitely punk, not emo. Um, but like it, it is, 
It's so weird. It's it's one of the weirdest parts of the movie that like we can absolutely feel free to pick apart. I do think you know you, my feelings were made pretty evident on 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 uh, on movie culture and how they kind of treat people with children versus tr- treat people without. But again, all said, in retrospect, like the writers did the best they could with that moment. Like you know, for the reasons I think the the, the reasons for the sacrifice I think made sense. Weird pairing that they did this though to be like you two go knowing what's supposed to happen. Can you imagine? They probably it was like- should have. Yeah, they should have like arced out the Boromir piece of this a little harder. Uh, they should be like, so just FYI, peeps who are going to Boromir, one of you is not coming back. <laughs> yeah right like it could have been something it was very much also like an audience thing like the audience had to know while the characters didn't because it creates dramatic tension but realistically you would have like what if someone was just like oh okay uh widow you go with war machine and then like nebula's like no 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 we can't do that it has to be it has to be widow and hawkeye you, you, it can't be widow and war machine like you know yeah. it's like why yeah. i can't yeah. tell you <laughs> like yeah. what yeah. was that conversation I was thinking uh, that, like, what if, uh, what if, like, they went with, like, uh, what if they befriended, like, a fun alien animal along the way? <laughs> you know, like, oh, we love this little guy. And they're like, oh, you got to make a sacrifice. What do you love? Oh, sorry, little guy. Uh, gotta- I don't know. If, it, if it's an animal like Gus, I'm throwing Hawkeye over that cliff again. <laughs> Gus is Kevin's small dog, FYI. Um <laughs> Look, if I if I had to throw like small space Gus over or you, I think I would throw a small space Gus over. No, you 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 take me down. You you I will jump over that cliff as Gus nips at my heels. I'm like, no, small, small space <laughs> Gus isn't gonna podcast as well. <laughs> it's as not he to, starts, yeah, as your dog as he is barking, barking right now in the background. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he you has know, feelings about this. Listen, don't be too flattered, Kevin. There is a business uh, consideration here. Is that like if I were to lose you, it would be hard harder to it's harder to replace you than it would be to replace Space Gus. I appreciate that yeah. uh, your financial situation yeah. is tied to my livelihood. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's all there that is. That's all it is. Uh, I hear all that. I think uh, we will have a lot of time to have Black Widow conversations in the future. And I think a lot of this for me still depends on what are they going to do with Black Widow the movie. Is Black Widow the movie going to be a handoff to Florence Pugh as like the new Scarlett Johansson in the MCU? Are they still back pocketing some sort of way to bring Black Widow back? Um, like, you know, the the Natasha version, the Scarlett Johansson version, we we truly don't know. So this still kind of remains uh, a little bit of a cliffhanger to to put a put it on the nose. Like I, I do think like there's a there are aspects of this that we still just like we don't know the full picture of it yet. Um, but if this is like unsatisfying for people, if people take extreme issue with it still, um, I can't fault them for it. I think like, and it's especially tough when you have like the enormity of the final battle without Black Widow being there. And especially like the, when, when all of like the powerful women of the Marvel Cinematic Universe are together and Black Widow is not there. Um, like you feel that, I think, I think that that, that absence is, is felt and, not necessarily in a way that benefits the movie. Uh, whereas, like, if Hawkeye was gone, like, no one would really bat an eye. And I guess, like, that is the piece of why, like, it can't be Hawkeye there. Except that I felt like uh, on this rewatch, I do think that there was, like, a version of the Hawkeye storyline where you could invest a little bit more in him as a character and make that moment really matter if he were to sacrifice himself. Um, so, I don't know. 
uh, put me in the camp of like, I would have been totally cool to get rid of Hawkeye in this moment. I mean, you know my feeling. I mean, yeah, yeah. I think story-wise, they would have to tweak some stuff. Because again, I do think thematically, Widow representing representing bargaining made sense for that. I, I, I you know, I, I guess, I, I don't know. I, I, her presence maybe was, was missed. I wouldn't call out that scene as the moment that her presence was missed. Just because that scene gl- is so glaringly out of place to me. Yeah. Uh, where they come together. I think I mentioned this in, when watching Infinity War. That moment in Infinity War, that like she's not alone, is a billion times more organic and better. I think you could have done this moment where ha- rather have them like literally squat up. You could have had it where you know like maybe uh, one or two of them were there, and as they're traveling through the battlefield, uh, like ca- you know Captain Marvel, Carol is being helped by other uh, female heroes as it's happening, almost like in the Avengers original Avengers style tracking shot. Do that. Where you you track through and all the the other um, female Avenger characters are showing up in that moment, I think that would have been more organic than having all of them show up as if they were like two seconds ago nearby. It's very odd, and I and and felt it, it does feel unfortunately a little too pandering in that moment. It's like if all the like I would have felt the same way if all the minor, minority heroes somehow all gathered together, all two of them, and uh, <laughs> were, yeah. were there. You know, it would have felt weird. Um, but yeah, it, you know, it, it is weird not having Black Widow there, especially considering how long she's been there. Especially again for Hawkeye. I know we trash on Hawkeye a lot. He's not the Matt Fraction Hawkeye, or else maybe I would have been a little more into into him. And also, that's happened before. We've had a hero sacrifice themselves for him, so it's it's sort of weird to have that keep happening as a running theme. It also sort of makes him less of an Avenger where <laughs> your only reason you're still around is because two other heroes had to die for you. Yeah. Very odd. <laughs> yeah. And he's already just the archer. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> pull your weight, man. We're losing people for you. What yeah. do you bring to the table? <laughs> Haircuts, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Uh, this is interesting. I didn't know this. Mike Edwards wrote into us and said, I was looking at the extras on Disney plus there's an alternate scene where uh, where Nat and Clint are going through who should die, and she says out loud, it's because of your family that she wants to make the choice. And then they get attacked by Thanos' people. Uh, they both get shot a couple of times, and Thanos himself shows up. And because she's been shot very near the heart, she's the one who jumps. And that's how Hawkeye gets the stone. Uh, did not realize that that was a thing. I didn't know that. I don't uh, either. The version that they end I, up with is much better. I agree. I think it takes away a certain amounts of agency by having the them get attacked. It's very weird to have Thanos show up there at that moment with these two particular characters. Um, so I definitely prefer the way it ended up over that. And I obviously <laughs> the creators also felt that way. Um, I feel like it would have added an action beat. And sometimes you have to be like, okay, well, we need an action beat in this moment. Um, but I'm glad that they backtracked and changed their their mind on that. I, I feel like that's happened a few times in this movie, um, but uh, that one is a, is is a good one uh, yeah. where they had different routes to take and they they chose I think the 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 better one. Uh, on the tip of the final battle, uh, this came in from Raider Man. Uh, Raider Man says, I felt the need to send an email on this because every time I watch this movie, I have the same reaction to quote unquote that scene. Captain America, beaten and broken, staring out at an insurmountable enemy that will soon overwhelm and destroy him. He stands up, straps on his now shredded shield, and gets ready to go one versus a million, knowing he is facing certain death. That's who he is, standing and fighting until he can't anymore because it's the right thing to do. Then we hear Cap on your left, the portal opens, the beat drops, 
And out comes Tashala and company looking at him like, we got your back. Every damn time I cry. I'm not a crier, guys. That's not me trying to be macho either. I'm just usually a very stoic person who internalizes things and doesn't show emotion very often. But this whole scene makes me sob every time. It throws me into a tailspin that lasts throughout the rest of the movie. Elation at Avengers Assemble, tears again when the women Avengers take over for Spidey, several laughs in the action of the battle, and then I'm wrecked when Strange puts up the one finger. The entire saga leads to this final hour, and it's a perfect 60 minutes. Um, Zach Brooks also adds, Will I ever have the movie theater feeling I had when Captain America says Assemble again? Uh, Maybe not. No, I mean, it's, reasons, it's but. wild because like that one is so, you know, if we're if we want to get into the final battle, I'm so ready for this. Um, that moment, it's so crazy because when I watched the original Avengers, I remember being like, that's so weird. Why did they say Avengers Assemble? And every time I was always just like, man, they're not going to say it. I guess it's too comic booky. But it's like, no, they're waiting for the right moment. And this was the moment. And the, the it is such a moment like that particular scene, just calling out the assemble part of it. The score is perfectly matched. The beats are great. Seeing them all lined up like that. The pause as he catches Mjolnir. It's perfection. And I don't think we're ever going to get a moment like that again. Um, because it is it is the achievement. It is If this is what Marvel has been working toward, this is what they've been wanting to be like. All we have to do is get here. If we accomplish this, Nothing else matters. We did this. And I do think that holds true. No matter what happens after this, this moment will stand throughout as easily the best moment in comic book movie history. Um, it's great. And it, it starts really, as said, like from that hour mark, like the moment the snap happens, I vividly remember the emo- going through the emotions in there where, uh, you know, Hulk makes the snap. They raise the doors uh, you know, Hawkeye gets the call and uh, Scott is there looking at the birds and he's so happy seeing all those birds. And then the shock of the moment of the missiles hitting. And at the time I was just like, did they just kill Ant-Man? Which would have been I know, wild. Me too. Yeah, um, yeah. But on, I, I mentioned this, I think on rewatches, you do see him shrink. You actually see the moment as it hits. He jumps backwards and you see him shrink down instinctually. Um, so I do like that that was in there uh, visually. But like from that moment, holy shit like the movie is non-stop jaw drops right like you have the three of them assembling to fight thanos thor's amazing moment that was this movie with this this entire arc for him was leading up to the let's kill him you know proper this time where he catches both vikings out with the braided beard looks awesome um and all of them attack thanos Cap picking up Mjolnir, like, when it flies back into his hand, everyone in the theater losing their mind. Um, Of course, on your left, the screams and shouts. I've mentioned this, and this is where my Easter egg is about to come out. I've mentioned this before. I love this moment. It is one of two moments I sometimes go and watch whenever I want to get both inspired uh, and, and, and emotional over things. I will pull up the Doctor Who Day of the Doctor, which is an assembling of its own, and uh, this moment of the final battle sequences and uh, theater reactions specifically, because it puts me back in that moment of theater reactions. I've watched a lot of them. And recently, I would say at this <laughs> point, Josh, it was, it's been two or three months, like maybe two months. Time has no meaning. But I found another one and I watched it. And it was a huge one. It has millions of views. And I turned it on. And within two seconds... 
I was like, oh my God, that's us. It was not <laughs> only my theater, 100%, but whoever recorded this was literally right next to us, like behind us, because you could hear me, you could absolutely hear my friend Danny, and I'm like, oh my God, that's us. Like, you hear reliving my own reactions, like, to the theater, I was sitting there like it was a double whammy because I'm experiencing the emotions <laughs> that I felt while listening to myself experiencing the emotions for the first time. It was so weird finding it. I sent it immediately to the group chat I'm on with uh, Danny, her her husband Sheldon, who is a friend of ours as well, and my fiance Robin. And I was like, guys, this is us. And immediately from Danny's voice was especially distinct saying, he's worthy when <laughs> Cap gets the hammer. We're like, that's Danny. That's absolutely, this is us. This is theater this is someone sitting right near us it's <laughs> what a moment like it, it still brings me joy and we'll link that. to that in the in the show notes so people yeah, can I'll, hear I'll that find so, a link from the group and i'll i'll i'll, I'll, I'll share it so, you so you'll be able to hear us. kevin's actual reaction to everything going on in avengers endgame that's so pure uh it's, that is it's like, amazing <laughs> you know the world is such shit but like that is like one of those moments where like maybe we can do this <laughs> yeah <laughs> <You know? laughs> because like that has been captured like what are the odds and for it to have been one of like the the really highly trafficked reaction videos and you are one of the the voice actor stars of it <laughs> uh is really incredible it's great and like the emotions are all there right the joys the excitements the 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 sadness for uh i am iron man at the end um, the the emotion of uh, Spider-Man uh, talking to Tony, like there's just so much in that final hour that they do so many things that are that are really great um, and jokes even right like Thor and Caps is like, no, what do you you take the little one like, you know, that's that's fantastic where they trade hammers. Um, you know, I really love and we can get more into this later, like Thanos in this movie is really interesting. I know for a lot of people. He doesn't rank as high as he did in Infinity War. And I get that. And I have reasons why I think he does. Um, but, uh, we can get there on, on that one. There's just, there's just so much, man, in that moment, just the fan, the fan payoffs. And I think, you know, there's so many writers, there's so many, um, uh, creators out there and you look at it and things that we've seen, especially in the nerd community, even where it's just like, no, we can't give the audience what it, what they want, because then, you know, that, that, that cheapens the show. We have to either twist or change an ending or, you know, um, uh, like just do something different so they don't get that joy and they don't expect it. But no, I think, you know, writing advice from a guy who's well, a wannabe writer, not even a real one. I, you can do these moments. You can have these things if you earn them. And I think Marvel really earned it. They did so much throughout here to build, build goodwill with the fan community, to deliver the type of stuff we're looking for. That when you have these moments that are clearly playing towards fans to give them what they want, it's worth it. Because we're excited to see it. It's not just, you know, trying to placate us. It, it doesn't feel like forced in certain ways. It just feels natural and it feels exciting and it feels awesome. And this movie gave it to us. And I think that's why it has such a great reaction is that it gave us things that we have been hoping and waiting for because we've been there with them for 10 years running. Um, and it all culminates in these moments. You have, you have the, the moment where uh, the Wasp calls him Cap throwing back to Avengers and Wasp where she's making fun of him right. saying that you have, you know, uh, black Panther saying, Clint, give it to me when their first meeting, he tries to introduce himself as Clint and black Panther says, I don't care. You have, you know, a great reversal there. There's just all these little things that I think play out so very well. You have Queens heads up. Like it's, 
it's so well done. It's so Easter egg laden. It's so fun and dramatic and just action packed. My God, uh, the fights in there. Seeing seeing Wanda, Wanda almost takes down Thanos. That's stop awesome. right there. That's yeah. so cool. And but like, that's another that, example of how this is a movie that's setting shit up. You yeah. know, like, cause like now they're showing just how powerful Wanda Maximoff is when she's unleashed. And like that version of Wanda in that moment for her experience is minutes removed from what happened to Vision. Uh, so like the level of, uh, of, of power and emotion and tragedy and grieving and anger that is coursing through her is at its highest that it could possibly be. And they, they like hinted at that stuff in Age of Ultron a little bit too after Quicksilver. Uh, for them to do that, uh, again here and for her to do what she does to Thanos. And like, if not for rockets, not the raccoon, uh, she would probably ripped him to shreds in that moment. I think she would have absolutely uh, destroyed him in that moment. And he knows it too. That's why he, he requested it. Like her power levels here are very evident. It's almost like if she were to have some sort of break from reality, it could lead to a massive disassembling of the Avengers or something. <laughs> References to comics, Avengers disassembled. Anyway, um, that, yeah, that stuff is great. You have Carol showing up in a really cool moment. You know, her showing up was even the coolest moment for her. Like they kind of, you see Thanos's face when she shows up and he already knows like, ooh, this doesn't seem good. And when he tries to headbutt her, what a fantastic moment. And she doesn't flinch. And I love that because you also have this moment where he headbutts her, he realizes the problem and he pulls the power stone. And that's the only thing that's able to like, break her momentarily is literally having him hold the power stone in his hands as you see it almost destroy him you see the power stone's effect on his hand happening immediately and he has to blast her and then put it back like that's also showcases the power level of that character which we've talked about in the captain marvel podcast and where that character gonna end up going after this um there's so much really cool stuff here um yeah it's it's so, so dense and so great. That last hour could be a dissertation in and of itself, as you've mentioned. We could do hours on that part alone. Yeah. Uh, and it's like not even speaking of like all of the various characters in this movie that are so great that like just in this first podcast, we're not going to have as much time. I think like ironically through the Survivor uh, podcast, we will probably be able to like, as people are getting voted out, <laughs> stop down and appreciate some of these people as they're getting knocked out. But like Nebula, Nebula, Karen Gillan is so good in this movie. And one of my favorite things that I caught on this rewatch is how um, Tony's story in this movie begins with finding a friend in the far side of the universe who is Thanos's daughter, you know, finding a friend in the far side of the universe who is going to be the daughter of the person who will be his undoing. Like, I think that the way that those two things connect, but also like Nebula's relationship that she obviously had started to develop over the course of Guardians 2 and then uh, is pushing forward through an Infinity War. But the five-year time jump allows for all of that to escalate even further where like Nebula and Rhodey are just tight. And you just accept that. You accept that Nebula and Rhodey are just like totally tight. They've probably talked like a thousand times. Uh, what did she say? Like, Rhodey, there's like an ugly there's human a, in the runway or whatever there's she said. on the like, runway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, watch the landing. <laughs> you know, like the and, and Karen Gillan having to track like that version of Nebula and then also going back to the person who she was and having those two characters confront each other. Like, 
a movie of this size, um, it's so special that it has the space to explore that in the story and in the writing. And um, just as uh, impressive to have um, the, the caliber of performance that they have um, in Karen Gillan as Nebula, who I think is like uh, in the same way as like, Paul Rudd as Ant-Man is a real secret gem in this movie. I really think Karen Gillan as Nebula, for me, each time I go back to this movie, I just appreciate even more and more and more, which feels increasingly impossible considering how much I loved her on the first watch of this film. Um, I just think that the work she does in this movie is some of like the franchise best acting uh, from anybody across the board. She's she's fantastic in this. The, the two versions that she plays uh, for Nebula are so great, and there's so much emotion and power behind them. Um, there's a moment I, I really liked in this one, especially is when they get back at the beginning, and her and Rocket are sitting together, and like they put their hands on each other, and it's just such a sad, wonderful moment between those two characters who have lost their families, basically in in this entire you know thing that they hadn't seen each other. They got back together and realized how much they both have just lost. Um, is really great. Um, she's so good. I, I I really like Karen Gillian a lot. And, you know, for me, I, I've liked her since Doctor Who. That's where I was first introduced to the character. Um, and, you know, her character of Amy Pond is one of my favorite Doctor companions ever. And that story arc with, you know, those that in that time period is phenomenal. Um, so I really liked her then. I tried to watch one episode of Selfie and couldn't get into it, but I heard that show actually got really good once it stopped trying to be a network sitcom. Um, but like, this is where she's really shining. And then Jumanji, especially, like, I highly recommend watching Jumanji films if you're a Karen Gillian fan as well. Like, her range as an actress is incredible, and you really see it here because she has comedic moments, she has dramatic moments. It's like I said, everyone in this movie, I feel like, is really, really shining through. Her and Tony at the beginning playing the football game and her not quite understanding it yet was fantastic. You had those moments where she's like flicking it and she's like, what did I do? Did I, did I get it? Um, which is actually really fun. Cause something I didn't catch the, uh, the first time around is that when they're back in time and Ant-Man's like flick me to Tony and he's able to like, perfect shot Hawkeye style flick Ant-Man to the right spot. It's because he's been playing the football game in space the whole time. And I was like, oh, that's so clever. That's why he's good at that because they set it up early that him and Nebula were just playing that for like days and weeks on end. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So there's just a lot of, there's just a lot of great like character beats like that all through the movie. Um, It's the best. It's the best. I mean, it's just, and like, I know some people are like, oh, that whole second act of the time heist is just like self-referential patting itself on the back. And it's like, they deserve to. (laughs) Fine. Like, if that's your interpretation, then even at that interpretation, they earned it for sure. But it's like more than that. Like, you get Hulk and the Ancient One. No one, like, what a weird combo. You would never think of that. Um you get the Cap versus Cap, and that's America's ass moment, you know? <laughs> and Cap in the elevator and getting to, like, yes. uh, have, like, a really funny uh, res- uh, call and response to Hail Hydra. The, um, the, the cameos, man, in, 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 in this flashback. Like, Robert Redford yeah. coming out, and, of course, um, Rumlow and Sitwell. Like, there's so many people. Your favorite dude with his line of Stephen Strange. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know, um, my you least know, favorite. Yeah, it's it's uh, the cameos, dude. Like, it is, it's wild that you... The, the, there's so much you have those moments when hulk you know having to smash and he's just like i think it's gratuitous but whatever like so funny so, so funny great. yeah yeah it's it's it, is it a perfect movie no but what it is it is perfection 
Yeah. See? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I I I feel that for sure. Um on the on the on the subject of Thanos as the bad guy, uh I gave him a six, and I know Kevin gave him a six as well. He'd gotten a five point nine for Infinity War, which put him at five point nine seven uh and you know, king of the bad guy rankings. Um, but he falls a little short here. Uh he's a five point five from the listeners. Uh, and gets a 5.85 overall, which means that in our villain rankings for the Infinity Stones, Kevin, not only is Thanos uh, from Infinity War the better Thanos, uh, according to the listeners, but the Thanos from Endgame is not the second best villain of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Eric Killmonger retains the title. Uh, Damn so it's right a, he does. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a Thanos sandwich with Killmonger in the middle. Um, I, you know, I still ranked him a six, but like the Infinity War Thanos, I would rank like a seven. You know, I'd rank a seven out of six, and then the Thanos in this one, I would rank a six out of six. Uh, like, you know, like the Thanos in Infin- Infinity War breaks the scale for me. And the endgame Thanos, it's still Josh Brolin. And I was thinking about this. Do I want to do a ceremonial 5.9? Because I do think there's a distinction. Um, and I decided against it because I, I felt like the listeners would keep us honest. They would keep this process honest. Uh, and also then I started thinking about like some of like the uh, when Thanos is like, in all of my years of conquest violence it's just like the way josh brolin like intones uh and the way he like spits out certain words he's like i am gonna enjoy this you know like the like the like sort of like the sadistic quality that thanos takes on knowing that he succeeds at some point in his life uh and that this version of himself his destiny is to like reinforce the success right like he knows that like he has to break off from the multiverse a version of me did this and now my quest is to go and get the stones and like advance the ball and stop these fools from stopping what I've done. Um, I, I like that version of the character. I like that he's kind of like a, a slightly younger, cockier version of the first Thanos. Um, but the first Thanos is just, I don't know, man. Like, how do you top it when it's his movie? So this is this is this is my argument of why I gave him a six, because I understand, you know, people looking at it and this isn't as good as the one in Infinity War. And I understand that argument. Absolutely. But that's not how I see this. This is a little bit different for me than how we were ranking Loki, because we're looking at a character that at different points in his time who has accomplished different things. um, And we have a deeper dive into his motivations and stuff like that. To me, this is not two separate Thanos. This is the same Thanos. This is the same person. And I think that's what makes him great. That's what makes him such a good villain. Because in this movie, you strip away all that self-righteousness he has. You strip away all his pomp and posture about what he's doing and why. And you see the truth of who he actually is. Yes, this is a version that's a little bit in the past, but it's a version who gets to see his plan come to fruition. He gets to see what happens when he actually accomplishes his goal, looked at the consequences of it, and once again has moved his own goalposts, his own mental gymnastics to be like, okay, well, it wasn't it wasn't me. It was clearly these heroes that are the problem because that is who Thanos is. They did a great job establishing this character who wanted to charm us, this cult leader who is trying to explain he's doing so good for the world by doing this and the sacrifices you have to make. And if that sacrifice somehow then included himself at the end because of the consequences of his actions, he wasn't for that because he's like, well, I didn't get to actually do the plan I wanted. So I have to wipe everything. Oh, so you're changing your plan then. 
That's what you're trying to say here. And I think that's what makes him a six to me because this is the same dude. This is the same guy when you really, really look at him. And I think that's what makes him an incredible, incredible antagonist. I think that's what makes him a great villain. And that's why I had to give him a six for this because to me, it is the same level. It is the same person once you really strip away that veneer and that pomp that he has and this like self-righteousness. So I love that. I love that they did that with this character. I also thought the design and like his double-edged sword is super cool. It's like he's got two uh, Cloud Strife Buster swords mashed yeah, together. Just, it's just he super just like dope. fused them together. On, on, yeah. Well, he went probably to uh, to Midgard on his travels and uh, snapped Midgard Twice. away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I think it's cool. Uh, as far as post-credit rankings, um, I guess I was like a sour uh, sour ranker here. Is that a thing? Like a rancor that has like a sour mouth. Um, uh, and I ranked it. So it's not really a post credit scene. It's a post credit sound. And for that, I docked it a point. Uh, so I gave it a five out of six. It's obviously very emotional. And we're throwing back to Iron Man making the Iron Man suits and the guy who made it all happen. But it's just a sound. It is the sound. Like, so this movie, another reason to, and you know, sure, if it is for my own pomp and circumstance of my own, I gave this movie sixes across the board. It's the only movie in the MCU that has full sixes for me. That's This is it. There's no other one that actually hit the full six mark. Um, and I love that. I love, we all sat there and we all waited, right? Like post credit scene is their jam. And they didn't give us a scene, they gave us a sound. But it is a great follow-up to an amazing credit sequence. Like, you know, Twilight does this same BS and did not earn it, where they're just like, we're going to show everyone from the history of the Twilight franchise with sad music and, and have the, you know, the, the, their credit, their name credits and their characters. They never earned it in Twilight. In this, it's earned, and you have the great score in the background. You have the countdown to your characters. You have the original Avengers when the score picks up to that main, that main hook and ending on Robert Downey Jr., the man who built it all and that's why i think that sound is so good that's why i think that sound is so important because it's not just him building the armor that is a sound of robert downey jr and tony stark building the mcu building everything we saw because that movie did that we've talked about the importance of iron man that's the importance here man we never would have gotten here without that we never would have gotten here without tony stark building a suit of armor in a cave with a box of scraps That's like having that sound after his sacrifice, having that be the last sound of the Infinity Saga is, I think, so poignant and so great and so emotionally powerful that I I adored it and I still adore it. And it's getting me a little emotional now just thinking about it, just thinking about like what Robert Downey Jr. did. The fact that, you know, the sacrifice of Tony Stark, it's just so great. And another one of those like little moments, I think are in a way for the fans that speak to not having a no post credits, but having something that still is just like a thanks, not just to the fans, but to the guy who kind of built it all. Yeah. Uh, I get that. I get that. I still give it a five because it's just a sound. It's fair enough, man. I'm just explaining Uh, my reasoning. (laughs) If I, if I'd given it a six, I think it would be the number one post credits ranking. uh, Cause Nick Fury gets a 5.7 and Thanos at the end of Avengers gets a five from the audience. Uh, and this got a 5.8 from the audience. So if I'd given it a six, 
I think this would be at the top. So I'm glad I gave it a five because I think Nick Fury deserves to be at the top. Fair enough. I'm not going to argue about those top three rankings. It's what I yeah. think is well deserved. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so that's where we are. Uh, the informal stones for final battle rankings, uh, I think Endgame at the bottom, right? Yeah, like I think I mean, just after The Incredible Hook. It's not, it's not very good. <laughs> we just spent like most of our time talking about that ending battle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what else to say. It's number one with a bullet. Uh, Infinity War is an entire final battle, and it's amazing. But, like, the emotional payoff and the fact that we win uh, and the way that we win is re- we lose in the in the victory, you know, like, it's just great. It's just, uh, it's perfect. It's a perfect thing. So, yeah, number one for sure. Stan Lee cameos. Um, what do you, where would you, so this is Stan Lee's, in, it's in the 70s, 70s Stan. What does he say when they drive past him in the make, car? Make love, not war, or something like that. <laughs> and, and so that's him, uh, circa Guardians of the Galaxy 2? Um, I guess timeline wise, it would be, right? Uh, I think that that's right. Uh, and oh no, we were saying that we think that it's him in Ant Man and the Wasp. No, it's hundred percent right? him in yeah, Ant Man and the Wasp because I even yeah. looked. It is the same car that yeah, disappears, yeah, where he's just yeah. like the sixties were wild, but now I'm paying for it. Like it's it's a great little reference. It's the last Stanley we get, unfortunately. Um, and I do love it. I don't think it's gonna hit probably the top three, but I do think it's it's up there for it for its spectacularity. Well, so we've got Guardians 2 at the top, where Stanley is the watcher. Uh, Age of Ultron, where he's getting wasted at the party and drunkenly saying, Excelsior. Uh, is this better or worse than Stanley taking T'Challa's money? Uh, I do love that moment. I I, I I can't put it above that, right? Like Every he, time I say that, you... <laughs> it's just so good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's got to be below that. Uh is it above Stan Lee in the 1990s on his way to audition for Mallrats? Oof. I feel like it might be a competition for those two for me because the Mallrats okay, so, well, one... Okay, so the very next spot is the Ant-Man and the Wasp in the car. So, you know, do we put this above that or below that? I might put it above that. Great. Let's do it. It's the uh, final yeah. one. So long to Stan, uh, who, you know... Uh, without whom we're not here either, uh, let alone Tony Stark. So uh, the final Stan Lee cameo uh, of the of the Stan Lee cameo rankings, I think for this to rank top five feels right. Yes, yeah. it, it is his final farewell. But that Guardians one especially will always be my favorite. I love that they did that. It introduces the multiverse in its own little way right there. So it's pretty spectacular. Kevin, uh, and of course, we've already said this is number one in the movie rankings uh, with a bullet 5.97 for Endgame uh, to Infinity Wars 5.88. So this is a clear victory for Endgame as far as the rankings are concerned. Um, Kevin, is there anything else from Endgame that we haven't touched on that you want to bring up? I mean, we're going to have more time to chew on all of this in the Infinity Saga and where we're going in the weeks ahead. Uh, next week is mostly going to be like fun shenanigans. But I'm sure both Mike and Chappelle are going to have things that they're going to want to talk about as it pertains to Endgame. So that conversation is going to continue. Um, do you have anything off the top of your head that you want to make sure that you're, you're getting out here in this first episode of the uh, Endgame uh, series that we're doing? Um, I mean, we, you know, we, we touched on the final battle most. We didn't really touch on the middle too much. Um, uh, you know, well, we did a decent amount, right? Like, I loved a lot that was in there. 
Um, obviously, the emotionality of seeing T'Challa uh, in this context was was really heavy and hit hard, um, especially at the end, seeing him with uh, his mom and Shuri at, in Wakanda. Um, it's it's a great moment at the end there, but it, obviously, it, it really affects you differently knowing um, the, the current situation. Uh, unfortunately. Um, so there, there's a lot, I mean, we didn't touch on Thor that much. I mean, I think that's a whole different conversation to have. Um, I think we talked about it in our, in our previous, uh, podcast on this and my, my thoughts haven't changed. Obviously I can't really speak too much about it. I know that I, it didn't, it didn't play as heavy as, uh, a joke ish in this as, you know, I think, um, it's remembered, I mean, it's definitely there, but it's mostly the other people reacting to him. The shots aren't as bad as like I think we've maybe exaggerated in our own heads. Um, but I, I love what they did with that character. I thought, you know, the effects of it all made sense to me. Attract. Uh, that's you know, I don't know. It's it's a different conversation. I'm a chubby guy. I I've I fluctuated on on, on weight pretty often. Same, um, yeah, and, very much so. And for yeah. me, like I, I kind of, I understood what was happening, especially when it comes to depression and uh, and that stuff happening. Yeah, look no further than this time yeah. uh, that we're in. We're like at the start of it. I was like, okay, this is an opportunity to like uh, lose weight and get buff, and blah blah blah. And then like you know one one secret mission to eat chocolate chips behind your spouse's back too many and suddenly spiraling uh out of control and like my weight has been out of like has been fluctuating really hard in these past months like and that is just like one example of the times where like depression has manifested in that form for me so what thor is going through in this movie is highly relatable of like sort of like channeling your depression through uh uh like the sins of gluttony and sloth uh are you know things that I certainly uh, channel my depression and grief through. So uh, it definitely tracks for, for, for me that I feel like I have lived that life for sure. Yeah. And, and the reaction from, from the other people, right? I think they, that is the reaction that people would have. Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately you, you get that. Exactly. Yeah, you don't get any empathy yeah. Yeah, for, for better terrible. or worse. Like that is reality of it. And um, you know, they still, and the, and the catches of course, they still love him. And they, they, they're still trying to, you know, they still support him in their own ways as best as they can um, while trying to save the world. Uh, but I do love and I've said this at the end. I really like the fact that when he transforms, he doesn't all of a sudden transform back into young buff Thor. Um, he is still the same because his power is being a god of thunder and he's supremely badass in the, in this form. And I love that. I love that they didn't like and now the depression is gone. You're you're back to being gorgeous again. It's it's that isn't what connects you to being worthy. The the I'm so worthy moment, of course, I think is really powerful. And I think it's a great moment to acknowledge that and to, to to have his arc come to that idea that like you don't have to be this version of what people want you to be in order to be worthy. Um, so I, I really love Thor in this. I love all the characters in, in this movie. I think are so great. Um, yeah, and I just wanted to, I guess, throw that in. I'm sure there's other characters I've forgotten that we'll maybe hit on next time that we can discuss, but yeah, this movie, man, this, this movie. It's clutch. It's clutch. All right. So coming next on everything is super, we will have survivor end game. We're going to, we're going to put a lot of characters from the Marvel cinematic universe and especially from Avengers end game into into war with one another one last time here at least for a while uh, i think just by the nature of how many people we have to try and account for 
Sadly, General Thunderbolt Ross will be in retirement. <laughs> I don't think he's going to make the cut this time <laughs> on the cast, which feels uh, uncool, uh, considering how much we have done with him in the Survivor simulations that we've done so far. Uh, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And then Kevin and I will be breaking down the Infinity Saga and just looking back on this whole adventure and looking forward to what's ahead, both in the MCU and also here on Everything is Super uh, a couple of weeks from now. So that's the four cast for the next two episodes of everything is super survivor shenanigans and then an infinity saga breakdown uh keep putting a pin in spider-man far from home just for the time being we'll tell you what our plans are with that and everything else uh before too long um follow kevin he's on twitter at kev mahadeo kevin uh also podcasting on lovecraft country we're getting close to the end of the line there uh yeah i'm really excited about where this is gonna go um Maybe a little bit nervous. We had such a high point in the middle, but podcasting with you guys has been the real joy of this, right? Like ups and downs of the shows aside, isn't it like, always? I think, yeah. Isn't it always? Being able to talk about this yeah. stuff with friends is really is really the joy of television. I That's think. what it's about. <laughs> That's what it's about. That's what it's all about. Uh, also, just to tease that uh, when Lovecraft Country is over. Uh, that there may be another show that Kevin, myself, and Latanya Starks are getting involved in soon. Uh, no spoilers except to say that it's the Mandalorian. <laughs> Good job. I was gonna be like, oh, what can we say? Like, we're gonna go to a different galaxy far, far away, and which is already giving it away so, in, in and of itself. But so, if you're excited uh, about the Mandalorian, we are gonna have uh, weekly podcasting coverage of the Mandalorian. Kevin, myself, and Latanya uh, coming up once season two starts. We'll have a preview show that's a couple of weeks away. Uh, but just to put that on your radar, if you haven't watched the Mandalorian yet, or if you want to rewatch it, um, that will not be on the Everything Is Super podcast. It will be its own podcast feed here on Post Show Recap. So the best way to make sure that you do not miss that episode is to subscribe to the main feed for now. The main Post Show Recaps feed on your podcast app of choice you can also sign up for the post show recaps patreon program because that way we will annoy the shit out of you and make sure that you really don't miss the mandalorian podcast uh through that avenue and also we're getting into all sorts of hijinks uh and insane amounts of fun uh through the patron stuff whether it's the patron podcasts that we're doing kevin uh is actually joining emily fox and i for the next episode of post show recaps theater our weekly movie club we're going to be talking about screen ah! coming up this week that's going to be dropping in the post show recaps patron feed on thursday morning coming up so uh, if you're not a patron yet and you want to hear that podcast it's coming up real soon and i think it's going to be a doozy uh but we also have the discord which is where our community is at. This is where we talk to each other, uh, shout stupid like uh, memes at each other and gifts, and uh, speak to each other in haikus and all sorts of other assorted chicanery. Lots of Strigoi, lots of really fun stuff, speculation on what's ahead in the Marvel movies, uh, you know, in its own way, the Discord is like, it's it's completely different beast than a podcast, but it's a, it's a really exciting and uh, fun, fleshed out extension of what we do here on the podcast. So basically, if you want, like, everything is super more than just the once a week, you could effectively get the spirit of it almost 24-7 if you are part of the Discord, which is available at the $10 a month level so check that out patreon.com slash post show recaps we'll be back very soon with our next episode of everything is super until then everybody take care bye-bye
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.